This is the Anderson Business Advisors Podcast, the show for real estate investors, stock traders, and business owners. We help you keep more of what you earn and protect what you've built. Let's get started. Hey guys, Toby Mathis here, and I'm joined by Clint Coons, my partner at Anderson, and we're talking about the recession. First off, what is the impact of a recession going to be on real estate? What do you think? Well, I mean, it's, if you go into a recession, it's going to drive prices down on real estate. Hopefully, that's what's going to happen. And that's just going to create opportunities for individuals to go out there and start acquiring more properties. As a real estate investor, whenever a recession comes up, I see that as an opportunity to jump in and take the opportunity to acquire great price real estate. Yeah, we grabbed a few of the questions that, that, that have been posed to us from, from our clients, and we thought that we'd attack some of them. And one of the, the easiest one is, what are the chances of going into recession? And I could just say at this point, I think it's 100%, probably already there, depending on how you define a recession, whether they change the definition. If it's two, two quarters of reduced GDP, I think we've already hit it. They said, hey, it could be three, whatever. How about the Fed is raising interest rates and they're going to cause it, period, because they bat a 1,000 at causing recessions when they raise interest rates, uh, unless they start lowering interest rates for some reason right away. Uh, I think it's inevitable that we're going to continue to experience financial pain, especially in real estate. So how has the increase of interest rates affected real estate? Well, when you have increased interest rates, it means less people can qualify to borrow for homes. So again, that, that forces the properties to go down in value as well. And I think a lot of people get scared when they hear that, oh, people can't qualify to buy properties. We're going into the recession. So that means that there's a lot of risk and I should back out from real estate investing. Well, having been through this before, mm -hmm. you know, what we found is that as long as your properties are cash flowing, if you buy right, you'll find that many times your rents will go up. We charged more in 2009 in the Las Vegas market than we were collecting in, in 2015 because as you had more supply there, then it reduced the amount what you could charge. So I think when you invest in a recession, what people need to be, keep in mind is that as long as you're buying property where you're going to be able to cover all your expenses and still make a profit, you can't go wrong. And that really comes down to the two worlds. So how, how is the recession going to impact the real estate market? It's going to affect the people that are buying on comps. Mm -hmm. And so your realtor comes up to you and says, hey, let's for a home. Hey, this neighborhood, this is what this house is worth. But an investor has a different valuation. They're looking at the cap rate. They're looking at the return on their investment. They're not, they don't care what somebody else paid for the house down the road. They care what's, what's their rent going to be and how is that and how does that interact with the house price? And that's going to adjust the, the cap rate, which is the return. So when there's, the, when there's recessionary pressures and you start seeing people who are no longer going to buy on the comp rate, and I'll just use Las Vegas as an example, million-dollar house here in 2007 was really a $300,000 house. In other words, the rents only justified spending about three hundred grand. So when you had these massive foreclosures, and this devaluation of the market, where did that price, where did that house sell? Sold all day long at 300 grand because that's what investors would pay. And they flooded the market just like they did in other, in other places. And what's going to happen now is if affordability goes down, if people start realizing that they bought a property that's, that, that is no longer worth what they paid for and it's underwater, which is a very, very tiny amount right now, but the people that bought in the first half of 2022 may be having buyer's remorse. That's where the investors can come in and pick up some bargains. Well, yeah. So those properties that we saw last time when we went through this back in 2008 is that many of those people who are buying were buying on arms. And so when those uh, loans reset, 
the value of that property was less than what they owed on the property. So they were forced into a situation where they had to bring cash to the table in order to maintain that property, which they didn't have. So those became REO deals. Here, you see a lot of people that got into the fixed interest rate. So there's not as many arms out there. So those properties I would anticipate in the recession, you're going to see those come about when people lose jobs. If they lose jobs, they can no longer pay it. They're not going to be forced into a situation like we saw back in 2008, 9, 10. People were underwater in 2008. They're not underwater in, in, right now. They're, Correct. In fact, it's very, very few. In other words, when I say underwater, it means that ha- the loan is greater than the value of the house. That's just not the case. There's about average, depending on where you look, around $200,000 of equity per home in the United States because there's a huge run-up. Even if you see a decline, even if you see like a massive decline, 20%, I think we're going to be back where we were in 2020. Like it's not erasing decades of growth. You're just seeing, hey, we popped up. Mm -hmm. I personally think it's because the money supply got increased and it devalued dollars and increased assets. And that's why inflation jumped up when you put the M2 money supply and you relate it to the CPI, the consumer price index, they're, they're almost identical. So I think that we jammed up the price of these houses. The problem with raising interest rates is now nobody can afford to buy it at its current price. Investors will buy anything if there's a return on it. And so when the house price starts to drop, there's always that level. So here in Las Vegas in 2008, it was a knife fight to get a property under 150, 200,000. Like all through that stretch, that next four years, it was always a battle royale to get the properties that would cash flow. And yes, there were tons of great deals. But let me ask this, because somebody actually posed this question to us. What are some of the risks of investing right now in this market? Like, what would you tell people to avoid when well, you have a recession? It's always going to be, run the numbers. Everything's about running the numbers. And if you see there's a property out there and you know that you're in a strong rental market, look at the market, determine whether or not it has all the necessary components that you're looking for, the metrics to know that you can support that the value of that property that you want to rent it out at. In fact, what I've done this before is that let's say that you, you don't yet have it, throw a property out there or just look to see what, what people are willing to, to spend to rent the property, then invest. I don't mm-hmm. see problems unless people get stupid and make bad buying decisions. Let's talk about that because I, I see like there's two or three areas where I would say really avoid during a recession. Number one is uh, flip at your own risk. Because time is not your friend during a recession. Oh, you're right. Your, ha- your house could absolutely go down in value. Number two is to stay away from the arms, what, what, what Clint just said. Get away from those adjustable rates because we don't know what the Fed is going to do. They're gonna, they've, they've promised that they're going to continue to increase interest rates throughout 2023. If they pivot and they all of a sudden say, you know what, we're not and we're going to start declining, then you're going to see a whole other uh, kettle of fish. But right now... What they're promising to do is continue to increase, which means don't like stay away from the arms. If you have one, ay ay ay, right? You may be in hot water, in which case you might want to start talking to your your friendly wholesaler mm-hmm. or someone that might be able to help you get out of that situation. But like those th- those are the two big ones to me. And then you hit the third, which is I think you buy on a on a methodology. Like you don't buy a house because you think I could sell it for more. You buy a house because it cash flows. And that's the difference between assets and liabilities. Assets, put money in your pocket. Liabilities, take it away. A piece of real estate could be either an asset or a liability. When you buy it as your personal home, it's a liability, pure and simple, unless you're house hacking. If you're buying it for an investment, you better make sure it sits in the asset column because during a recession, those liabilities are not your friend. Yeah, and that's why you know I see opportunities here and where I would be looking if I was a real estate investor just starting out or maybe you invested for a while, 
I would start looking at subject two deals because as people start running into problems, if they get laid off and they can't afford that mortgage any longer, that's going to be opportunity to help out a distressed homeowner. Tax liens and deeds. States have been real aggressive at trying to bring in all this money and they've been spending that money. So they've raised property taxes. Now, do they drop property taxes real quick? No, they don't. They're going to be reluctant to do that because they've got this appetite for spending. So that's going to put pressure on people who will quit paying their property taxes. And now there's opportunities for investors to jump in there. Raw land investing. This is something that is going to, I think is, is beneficial to people from the standpoint that it's, it's expensive to build. So rather than go through the normal process, look at using manufactured homes, bringing those in. You're picking those up at $90 a square foot. So if you look out there, each type mm-hmm. of economy that or, or, or we call recession or each phase of the economy that this country goes through, real estate works. It, you just have to change. As Toby mentioned, flipping real estate. This is not a time, I would say, to go out and flip real estate. I think it's more of a time to be a private money lender to go out there. That's another opportunity because interest rates are high. People are, are having a more difficult time to qualify. So if you're a hard money lender, you have cash sitting on the on the sidelines and you believe in real estate and you want to possibly own that real estate if they default, now start making some loans. Look at doing, you know, you make money off points. You can do shared appreciation mortgages with people. Well, if they do want think they're going to build and then flip the property, you can go in, you get Just a piece of Just be careful that. about your 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 the the ratio of the fair market value of what that loan to value is. is like, oh yeah. ARV. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you're take probably twenty percent. At least mm-hmm. like right now. Okay, so let's talk about this then. A uh, good question was posed. How do you protect yourself in a real estate market collapse during a recession? Let's just say that they're right. Everybody out there who's freaking out, oh my God, I'm going you know, to lose money during the recession. Mm-hmm. Oh, the market's going to collapse. What if it does? What if it drops 20%? How do you protect yourself? Well, it's simple. What you got to be doing is putting together the right types of entities, limited liability companies, land trusts, statutory trust, personal residence trust, all the things that you and I talk about on our tax and asset protection live event Mm -hmm. are the things that people should be implementing. Because I remember in 2009 and 10, people were calling us up and they're saying, hey, I'm losing all my properties because I got into some bad loans or this Mm -hmm. happened. I had my tenant now that's suing me because, of course, they manufactured the lawsuit because they don't have any money. They can't afford to pay rent. So what's one way to get out of paying rent? Say you got hurt on the property and get paid for it. Mm -hmm. So you need to protect yourself now rather than later against all these various threats that tend to come out of trying times like this. Would you agree? I would agree with that. And I'd also also say, make sure that you're bifurcating off your personal assets from your business assets and your personal loans from your business loans. So for example, if I have a non, uh, if I have a loan that's in an LLC, where it's the asset is the only recourse, it's non-recourse to me, it's not going to come over and affect me. That is much better. So if I have a bad, bad, here's a crash and my property is worth nothing and I can't get a tenant for it, I give the property back and it doesn't take out the rest of my properties. And you're able to pick and choose. We saw this, especially with businesses, is make sure your personal credit and business credit is separated because during 2008, 9, and 10, people would do this, hey, I'm not going to pay my mortgage so I can do a modification thing. The banks would say, oh, you have to be delinquent a month or two. So that you can go to our loss mitigation department, and then we'll then we will amend your your loan, which was you know, most part that was that was hooey. But what would happen is it would hurt their personal credit and their business credit. Like in one case, it was a gentleman had a line of credit in his plumbing business, and you lose the line of credit in your plumbing business because you just went delinquent. You got to separate those things out so that your business credit is the business itself, not you. So that if you end up in a 
pickle on your personal property and do have to do a short sale or do need to hand that, you know, a deed in lieu of foreclosure or work with somebody to, to get that get that property turned into a like in some cases, you'd have an investor buy it and just rent it right back to you. But if, if you're in that situation, chances are you're in a short sale or or something that involved financial distress, that it doesn't hurt your business. It might be too late for some of you guys. I'd be jumping on that and make sure that you separate it to make sure that you're not hurt. And then the last way is the most simple, buy with cash, yeah. right? Right. When you see interest rates going up, it only affects one party, right? The party that, that's, borrowing. that's borrowing, right? Yeah. So, so don't be a borrower. You know, and it's easy to say, but for Clint and I, there's properties out there that you can get for 90,000, 100,000, 110,000, or 20,000 that cash flow. Mm-hmm. And you see people will still go out for the 400,000 and put $100,000 down. Yep. It's like, just buy the $100,000 property right now. Don't mess around. Don't chase those ones. Make sure that the, that, that the it cash flows. And the easiest way to do that is to continue to use cash because cash is king, in my opinion. Well, yeah, a lot of people like the fact that that property, like you're talking about, a $400,000 property is going to probably have greater appreciation than a $90,000 property. But at the end of the day, what is it that you're relying upon? It's the income that comes in off of that property. So if you got four $90,000 properties that make more than the one $400,000 property, even though it's going to build more equity, you're not eating your equity. So base it upon cash flow. Yeah. And, I, and I'll say this. So we have a sister company, Infinity Investing, wrote a book called Infinity Investing that you can get on Amazon anytime. But the principle is really simple is that we want to buy assets that are cash flow assets that we never get rid of. And the reason I'm saying that is because there's a question here is what should I do if I already own a property and it is worth less than what you paid for it? And I want you to get this out of your head. When you buy something and you own it for an infinite period of time, you don't care what it's worth. If I buy an asset, so if Clint and I buy a rental property, what we care about is how much is it producing? How much income? If you buy it for cash, it's even simpler, right? You're just saying, what is my cash, my, my inflow? Is it producing $6,000 a year? Is it producing $60,000 a year? Do you care what the house value is under those circumstances? And I would say, no, you're just accumulating, you know, you're accumulating the value of your assets. I'll put it into Monopoly language. If you ever play Monopoly, you go around the board and you buy houses and you trade them up into hotels, right? I don't really care what the price of the hotel is that I own, right? I care about that you're going to land on it and pay me rent. Mm-hmm. That's what I care about. The rent is what it, is, 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 is the key. Are there good deals out there? Absolutely. But that's the buying decision. Once you're holding it, I really don't care. Maybe if I want to trade it for more real estate, but how often do we run values on our properties? No. I mean, I think that is a great example. You know, everybody in play Monopoly wants to own the boardwalk, but I found when I typically win in monopolies, when I'm owning the light blue, the St. James, the purple and the oranges, because that's just, you're making money. Every time somebody goes along, the, you're not having to wait for that it's one a greater, hit. It's a greater likelihood yeah. that you're going to get paid. Now, here's the thing. If you're playing Monopoly and you're, this is your strategy. I'm just going to go around the board and I'm going to collect 200 bucks every time. And I'm going to try to stay out of jail. If that's your strategy, you're screwed. Yeah. You have to be an investor and people still get scared out of investing. And so, oh, there's a recession. Oh, there's this. Oh, blah, 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 blah. They're just scaring you so that you'll go around the board and not take advantage of any opportunities that show up and you're collecting your 200 bucks. And it's guaranteed that you're going to lose that game if you don't invest. You got to be an investor. So let let me ask you this, Mm because there's actually a bunch of questions in here, is what precautions can an investor take to protect themselves during a recession? 
Well, I mean, I thought we hit on that a bit is that you, you want to make sure that you're going out there and you're protecting your assets so that if you do find yourself in a distressed situation, people aren't going and taking your savings account from you because you put that in a limited liability company and you put all your real estate in separate LLCs and you're using uh, personal residence trusts to protect your personal residence from judgments. But I think the most important thing about this for someone is that they need to get educated. And I, I firmly believe that what we're doing now with our sister company, Infinity Investing, is, is we're taking and we're teaching core principles to people on how to invest in this market right now. We're talking about the strategies of how to go out there, find distressed real estate, how to close on that distressed real estate, how to do manufactured housing subject to investing. The things that we see that are coming up that we've seen in the past that, that take off and where people can accumulate our real estate by coming to our Infinity Investing class, and there's a link below, guys. You can click on that link and you can join us on that, that, that event. It's a one-day event. You're going to learn how to take control over your financial future. Yeah, absolutely. Last couple of questions. How long does it usually take to recover from a recession? And what happens to the housing market after a recession? What would you say? Well, I, I mean, after a recession, the housing market's going to go stagnant and then it's going to start to climb again. And you're going to start to see more people coming back in because once that fear evaporates from the market, then people start to want to jump back in. But the problem, though, at the same time, as we, we experience too, is that as more people start buying again and becoming less renters, you become more homeowners, your rents do tend to go down. That's why you got to buy right. Yeah, you got to buy based off of, I haven't seen rents go down. Like you mentioned the mm -hmm. rents. I, I don't see rents going down in most of the neighborhoods. In fact, the, the rents have been continuously climbing with, with inflation. I suppose that there's always that, that risk. I see it more that it stalls, like it's not increasing mm -hmm. like it does every year, which I guess is the same thing. But after the recession, so yeah, so let's just say that we go through a recession, a period of downturn, which is really bizarre because we have really low unemployment and you have the Fed aggressively raising interest rates, trying to stave off inflation. I don't know whether, like, I, th I think we're going to have a, 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 new, a new world, right? We're going to have a different set of rules. Right now, they're saying 2% inflation. I think that goes to 4 I think that eventually people, because well, why do we care about 2% inflation? We're just trying to keep it from going too crazy. They printed a lot of money. They're doing the quantitative tightening, trying to lower that money supply, which will have its desired effect in some cases. But are they going to suck $4 trillion out? I just don't see it. So I think we're going to have to say, hey, this is a little bit different. We didn't have COVID in the past. We don't really have much of a guidance here. What I see is there's fear. And once that fear subsides, just like you said, I think we're going to see that market continue to march forward and prices to go up because there's so much demand and so little inventory until we uh, figure out that how to build houses that cash flow right out, right out the gate. Maybe apartments work right now. Maybe manufactured home works right now, but it's going to have to be in mass scale until we figure that out. We're going to continue to have this 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 disconnect between supply and demand, where we just have this massive demand and lack of affordable housing. And what that means for us as investors is that there's plenty of opportunity if you use the right metrics and if you keep yourself from making big mistakes. Yeah, like I said, if you want to join us for our Infinity Investing event, click on that link below. We'll be talking about where we're investing as well and the opportunities in more detail where we see them and how you can take advantage of that as well with your own investing. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Show notes for links to everything mentioned in this episode can be found on our website at andersonadvisors.com slash podcast. Be sure you subscribe to our podcast. And if you are already a subscriber, please provide us a review of what you thought of this episode.